0: One of the biggest problems with telling a lie is that sooner or later, it backfires on you. Did you see that hideous hat that Luella was wearing this morning at church? No! What did it look like? Oh, it was a gaudy thing. Purple with gold beads and a sash that hangs down in the back. It reminded me of a hat I used to own that I wouldn't be caught dead in. Wait a minute. That's the hat I gave to her. Really? Yes, I got it out of a box of clothes you gave me.
1: And as I recall, at the time you said it was one of your favorites and you really hated to part with it. I did? I'm sorry. That's
0: all right. I told Luella the same thing when I gave it to her. (laughs) See what I mean? Well, we're going to discover how even a little white lie can get completely out of hand on today's Adventure in Odyssey.
2: I was just working on one of my inventions here. I'm John Avery Whitaker, but you can call me Whit. And this is Odyssey. Hey, let's see if this thing works. <laughs> oh, 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 whoa, whoa! Hold it. Okay, so it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part because you never know what you'll discover along the way. Oh, don't take my word for it, though. You can find out for yourself when you come along on today's Adventures in Odyssey.
0: Here we are again in I'm Chris, and today we're going to hear a way out story about a guy named Jeremy who told a little fib that ballooned up into a great big mess. That's the problem with telling lies. We might think we're covering up a problem, but we find out later on that the lie just made things worse. But the really bad thing about lying is that someone always gets hurt. For instance, there's a story in the Bible about a man named Abram who would later become Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. Anyway, there was a great famine in the land where Abram lived, and so he took his wife Sarai and all their possessions and moved down to Egypt. Only before they got there, Abram and Sarai agreed to tell a lie to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Do you know what the lie was and why they decided to tell it? There are two ways of finding out. You can look in Genesis chapter 12, or you can wait till the end of the program when I give you the answer. Meanwhile, we're going to hear a really crazy story and learn that there really is no such thing as a little fib when we return to Adventures in Odyssey right after this.
3: My dog has fleas no ooh, way. it's Eugene and Eugene sings yes, it's the world's first all-song CD
2: from that boy genius who stars in the exciting series Adventures in
3: Odyssey my dog has fleas so take it from me, Harlow Doyle live and I, Eugene sings. For more information call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-FAMILY or visit witsand.org
0: it's kind of a quiet afternoon in Wits End. A few kids are working on some projects over at the inventor's corner. Witt is upstairs sorting through some old papers. And over there, behind the counter, Connie is on the phone talking with Debbie, one of the many friends she's made since she moved into town. Sounds like a pretty exciting conversation, set, right? too. I mean, you got the tickets and everything? Oh, great. This is going to
4: be the best concert. My mom? No, she probably wouldn't want me to go if she knew about it. Listen, Debbie, my mom is the least of my worries. Right now I've got to figure out how I can get time off this afternoon so we can actually do this. Speaking of which, here he comes now. Keep your fingers crossed. I'll call you later. Bye. Hi, Whit. What you got there?
2: Oh, I was just going through some boxes upstairs and came across some of my stories. I thought we could catalog them and put them on the shelves. A lot of them probably aren't worth publishing, but I thought the kids might enjoy reading them anyway. If for no other reason, to show them how not to write a story. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Um, Whit, I was wondering if I could ask you a favor.
2: <laughs> oh, what is it?
4: Can I take off early this afternoon?
2: You got something important going, huh?
4: Well, yeah, kind of. Um, I'm going to spend the night over at my friend Debbie's house.
2: Well, if you're going to spend the night, why do you need time in the afternoon?
4: Oh, well, we just have some things we want to do.
2: Things, huh? Well, I suppose it'll be all right as long as we can try and get some of this cataloging done before you go.
4: All right! Let's get started.
2: Uh, Let me just dump them out on the counter here.
4: There must be fifty stories here. Did you
5: write all of these?
2: Yeah, some of them before I bought this place, but most of them afterwards. It sort of helped relieve the pain when my wife died.
5: Hmm.
2: Oh, now I remember this The Tangled Web. Yeah, this is a pretty cute one. (laughs) A little far out, but still cute.
4: What's it about?
2: Well, here, why don't you take a look at it?
4: Well, we really ought to get this done.
2: Oh, don't worry. I'll keep track of the time. You go ahead.
4: Well, okay. Some people have to learn things the hard way. Just ask Roger and Jane Forsyth's 11-year-old son, Jeremy. It's not that he was a bad boy. In fact, he was pretty good. But he was getting older. And with age comes the desire for a little more freedom. Jeremy particularly felt the freedom bug that morning as his mother called him to breakfast.
5: Jeremy?
1: Jeremy Forsyth, you'd better hurry. You're going to be late for school. Okay, Mom. Goodbye, Mom. Goodbye, Dad. Don't have time for breakfast. See you later. Hold it right there, young man. But, Mom, you just said I was late. No, I said you were going to be late if you didn't hurry. But you still have time to eat your breakfast.
5: Oatmeal... Yuck! What's that, Jeremy? You say you'd like a second helping? Uh, no. Uh, what I meant to say was, young, doesn't this oatmeal look good? Why, thank you, dear.
6: You don't know better than to tangle with your mother, son. She wins every time, especially when it comes to oatmeal.
5: I heard that. Ow! That burned my tongue! Why do I have to eat this stuff? I don't see you guys ever eat any.
6: That's because we're parents. We've already eaten our life's allotment of oatmeal.
5: I can't wait until I'm grown up. That way I can decide what I want to eat for breakfast. And even if I want to eat breakfast.
6: Well, take my word for it, son. Even when you're grown up, someone's still making decisions for you.
5: Roger, I need you to do
1: something for me.
6: See what I mean? Uh, What is it, dear?
1: I'm out of flour. I need you to stop by the store on your way home from work and pick some up for me.
6: Oh, I can't do it, sweetheart. Remember I told you Mr. Harris and I are going to be working late tonight on that new project?
1: Oh, that's right.
5: Well, Jeremy, I guess you'll have to do it for me after school. But, Mom, this is my afternoon to go to Wits End. By the time I get to the store and back, it'll be too late. I'm sorry, honey, but I really need that flower. Why
1: can't you go? Jeremy, you know we only have one car, and your dad takes it to work. And it's just too much trouble for me to lug your baby brother down to Gentry's Market on foot. Here's the money. Now I need a two-pound bag. Oh, man. Why do I always
5: have to do these stupid things?
6: Jeremy, I'm not going to have you talking that way to your mother.
5: I'm sorry. I don't want you to be late for school, so you better go, sweetheart. Here's
1: your lunch. We'll
6: see you tonight, son.
5: Yeah, bye.
1: As
4: you can imagine, Jeremy wasn't very happy about the turn of events. Not very happy at all. You see, he really wanted to go to wit's end... In fact, he thought about it all that day in school, and the more he thought about it, the worse it got. But all the feelings he had during the day were nothing compared to the one he had when he was walking home. There he was, heading toward Gentry's Market, while everyone else was off to Wit's End. He stopped for a minute to watch the other kids, and his friend Humphrey came running up behind him.
5: Hey, Jeremy! What you standing here for? Wits End is down the block! I don't think I'm going today. I gotta go to the store. Oh, that's too bad. Mr. Whitaker has this new ice cream machine. He's gonna be handing out free ice cream. Oh, wow. I hear he's also got a new display you'd really like. It shows all about how a movie camera works. It's supposed to be really great. Well, listen, I wanna go get some of that free ice cream. See you later. See ya. Oh, man. The movie camera. That's the one I've been waiting for. I really want to see that display. It wouldn't hurt if I went in for just a little while. So that's just what Jeremy did. He had a
4: quick look at the display, a small dish of ice cream, and was back on the road to Gentry's in a flash. But when he got to the market, he didn't have the money his mother gave him. Somewhere between Wits end and the market, it had worked its way out of his pocket and disappeared. Slowly, he started home.
1: Jeremy, is that you? Yeah. Well, it's about time. Did you bring the flower?
5: Uh, no. Why not? Because I, uh, lost the money. You lost it? Where? Uh, around. Around where? Just around.
1: Jeremy Forsythe, I want you to tell me what happened to that money right now.
4: Jeremy knew he was in a tough spot. If he told her where he lost the money, he'd be restricted again and probably never get back to its end. So he said the first thing that
5: popped into his head. Someone took it from me. What do you mean, someone? You mean you were robbed? Oh, Jeremy, are you all right? Did he hurt you? No, I'm okay. Oh, my poor baby, do you know who I was? That's a stupid question, like a robber's going to introduce himself. He was an older kid. Uh A teenager. I've never seen him before. He pushed me into an alley and told me to give him all my money. I tried to keep him from taking it, but he was too big. You fought him? Oh, my poor baby, are you sure you're all right? I'm okay. I just feel bad about the money. Oh, forget about the money. It's not important.
1: I'm glad she said that. The important thing is that you're all right. I'd better call your father. You don't have to do that. I'm okay, honest. I know that, sweetheart. But I think your father is going to want to know that some bully out there has been extorting money from his son.
0: Hello? Yes, Roger Forsythe, please. Uh Uh-oh. Don't go away. We'll continue our adventure in Odyssey right after this.
5: Are you bored? Are you looking for adventure? Are you trying to find some place to send your crayon drawings? Well, join the club. Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior are focused on the family's magazines just for kids from ages 4 to 12. Both magazines include stories, articles about kids just like you, puzzles, and lots of stuff to help you grow your faith in God. And Clubhouse Magazine features an exclusive Adventures in Odyssey journal that you can't find anywhere else.
2: Fascinating. Yeah, I thought it looked interesting.
5: For details, visit family.org. Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior, join the club.
2: Someone is lurking in the night shadows of wit's end. Someone is performing secret experiments with the imagination station. Someone is about to be discovered. Could this someone be the answer to a mystery that has haunted Odyssey for half a decade? Could this someone change the face of Odyssey for years to come? Does this someone play a ukulele? most
6: indubitably.
3: It's Eugene!
6: Eugene is back, and you can celebrate the exciting homecoming in an all-new album from Adventures in Odyssey. Look for A Most Surprising Return, now presented in an all-new way. A two-CD set of six new episodes. A Most Surprising Return features this historic return of Eugene Melchner, and exciting stories that take you far into Odyssey's future and far into the past. Plus, all-new fun with Wooten. Don't miss it. A Most Surprising Return return. Log on to witsend.org or call 1-800-the-letter-A-FAMILY.
0: And now, the conclusion of today's adventure in Odyssey. Sounds like Jeremy's getting
4: himself in pretty deep. I think I know how this is going to turn out, too.
5: Well,
2: maybe you do, maybe you don't. The only way to find out is to keep reading.
4: Okay. When Jeremy's mother told her husband that some bully had mugged their poor child, he was furious. He came home immediately, and once he saw that Jeremy was all right, picked up the phone and called his son's teacher. The teacher, equally horrified, picked up her phone and called the head of the school board. He, in turn, called the owner of Gentry's Market, who finally got around to calling the police. The police put out an all-points bulletin and then sent their best man over to grill all the important facts out of poor Jeremy. Only before the police could get there, Jeremy and his family had to go through a different sort of interrogation by their neighbor, Harry Snoopnagel.
6: Hey, hey, Rog! Oh, oh hi, Harry. Uh, we thought you were the police.
3: I just heard the call on the old police band radio, and I thought I'd come over and help
6: him out. Uh, listen, Harry, I think we should just wait until the police get
3: here. Oh, come on, Raj. This will give me a chance to use some of that stuff I
6: learned at the private detective school. You know what I mean, huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yes, I know, I know. I have... Well, all right, I guess it wouldn't hurt if you just ask a few questions. Great! By the way, where were you when all this was going on? Me?
3: I was at work. Ah, uh, Neglecting your family, eh? Nothing but a workaholic, eh? I, I am not a workaholic. Oh, I see. You don't want to support him. is that it? Huh? No. Huh? No. Huh? No. Huh? No,
6: that's not it! Uh, of course I want to support them. I was just doing my normal day's work, and I came home as soon as I found out what happened.
3: All right. I guess you're in the clear, but stick around. I might want to ask you some more questions. <sighs> Now, what we're going to have to do here is gather all the pertinent facts. And you know the quickest way for us to do that is? By getting a real police officer? No, but that was a good guess. The easiest way for us to gather all the pertinent facts is by using what we call in the trade the four W's. That's who, what, where, and when.
1: What about why?
3: Make that the five W's.
6: And let's not forget how.
3: All right, the five W's and an H. Anybody want to add any more letters? Good. Now, I know you've been through a trying ordeal, so it's best if we start off with something nice and easy. What's your name? Jeremy. uh, Jeremy. Is that with one M or two?
5: One.
3: Okay, well, I guess that about wraps this up.
1: But wait, you haven't asked him anything yet.
3: Oh, I got all the stuff I need. I told you, the police have an APB out on this guy. Besides, this case is spread all over town. It is. Oh yeah. How a brave young man fought off a violent attacker so he could buy his mother some flowers.
1: No, flower.
3: Oh, so he could buy his mother a rose. Everybody knows about it, including the mayor. In fact, I heard on the police band that tomorrow on the steps of City Hall, he's planning to give you a citation. Although you'll have to wait a few years before you can drive it. <laughs> you get it, huh? Yeah, huh?
6: yeah, huh? yeah. Huh? Yeah, citation, I get it, I get it. Uh, well, listen, Harry, we want to thank you for stopping by.
3: Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah I guess I should be getting back to the old radio anyway. Uh, but listen, when the boys in blue get here, you wouldn't mind putting in a good word for me, would you? Oh, we'll tell them all about you. Thanks. Never hurts to have friends in high places. You know what I mean, huh?
6: Yeah, huh? yeah, huh? yeah, huh? yeah. Huh? yeah. Huh? yeah.
5: A citation. Jeremy,
1: the mayor's going to give you a citation. How do you feel about that?
4: Great. Just great. But of course, he didn't feel great at all. Inside, he was a mass of quivering nerves, bubbling stomach, and fluttering heart all at once. The ceremony seemed like it lasted forever. The mayor and the chief of police gave speeches, both promising to do everything they could to capture the vile criminal they thought was still at large. Finally, the big moment came. There was a lot of applause, and with wobbly legs, Jeremy made his way to the podium. He looked down at the beautifully framed citation, then out at the crowd and said, Thank you very much for this wonderful award. And then he shook hands with the mayor, took the citation and sat down? Wait a minute! Now,
2: now, no questions until you finish the story. But... Finish the story...
4: Soon the excitement wore off, and everything got back to normal, and life went on. After a while, the police stopped looking for the vile criminal they would never find anyway. The citation hung in a prominent place on our hero's wall until a poorly aimed basketball knocked it off and shattered the glass. Then it was folded and put away in an old scrapbook, which was stuffed into an already full closet. And soon, everybody forgot all about the story of Jeremy and how he fought an attacker who stole his mother's flower money. Everybody, that is, except Jeremy. He remembered it all for the rest of his life. Is that it?
2: That's it.
4: You mean he got away with it? Well,
2: I don't think so. Of course, it all depends on how you look at it.
4: Yeah, but according to the story, nobody caught on to him. And since he didn't say anything either, then everybody thought he was a hero.
2: Yeah, you're right. On the surface of things, it does seem like he got away with it, doesn't it? But did he really? Read that last sentence again.
4: He remembered it all for the rest of his life. So? Well,
2: what did he remember?
4: The ceremony and the citation. Is that it? Well, no, I guess he also remembered how he got the citation and the ceremony.
2: That's right. See, memories are funny that way. Once you have one, it usually triggers another and another and another. In Jeremy's case, the one happy memory, getting the citation, also brought with it a whole bunch of very bad memories. How he lied to his parents, how the lie started out as half-truth, just a little white lie. How he never corrected the lie and had to live with it for the rest of his life. See, that's the way a lie works. It sticks in your mind and it eats at you and eats at you and eats at you until it's just about all you can think of. Then one of two things has to happen. Either you make it right or you spend the rest of your life like Jeremy did, always afraid that somebody is going to find out about what you did.
4: Why are you telling me all this?
2: Why do you think?
4: It's the concert, isn't it? How do you know these things?
2: Well, Connie, it wasn't very hard to figure out. I mean, you've been talking about that group for the past month, and when I read in the paper that they were going to be here, I I, uh, thought maybe you'd probably want to go. Then when you asked for time off this afternoon so you could spend the night at Debbie's, well, I just put two and two together. Although I don't really know why you wanted to hide it from me. That is, unless it's because your mom doesn't know you're going tonight. Am I right? Yeah. And she probably wouldn't want you to go if she did know, would she?
4: You got that right.
2: So you're just going to go and not tell her. Is that it?
4: Well, what if I am? You think the mayor's going to end up giving me a citation for it?
2: (laughs) No. Connie, I'm just trying to get you to see that a lie is a lie. Even if the person you lied to never finds out about it. And that lie is also just as damaging because at least one person will always know about it. And that's you,
4: If I do go to the concert, are you going to tell my mom?
2: Nope. See, there comes a time when you have to start making your own decisions and living with the consequences without any outside interference. If one of those decisions happens to be a lie, then so be it.
4: You think I should call my mom, don't you?
2: I'm not going to tell you what to do one way or the other, Connie. That's a choice you're going to have to make.
4: I've been waiting a long time for this concert, you know.
2: I know. If going to the concert is that important to you, then call Debbie. Now, like I said, it's up to you. Well, I'm going to take the rest of the manuscripts back to my workshop. Either way, you decide. You have the rest of the afternoon off, so I'll see you tomorrow.
0: I'm glad Connie made the right decision, aren't you? And even though she probably feels bad right now, I think she'll feel really good about it later on. And you know what? That's also what happens to us when we do the right thing. See, God knows that a lie always hurts someone because lies always hurt him. And so when we don't lie, God helps us to feel good about our decision because he feels good about it too. And by the way, do you know what lie Abram and Sarai told to Pharaoh? Well, if you look in Genesis 12, you'll see that just before they entered Egypt, Abram was afraid that because Sarai was so beautiful, the Egyptians would kill him so that one of them could marry her. So they agreed that if anyone asked, they would say that Sarai was Abram's sister instead of his wife unfortunately the plan didn't work out quite as well as Abram hoped yes the Egyptians let him live but they still took Sarai to Pharaoh and he married her anyway because of this God put many plagues on Pharaoh's family finally the truth came out and Pharaoh told Abram to take Sarai and leave Egypt for good and all of this happened because of one little lie there are many stories in the Bible about how a lie caused a lot of bad things to happen can you think of any if you can Write it down and send it in to me here in Odyssey. The address is Odyssey, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80995. In Canada, write to Box 9800, Vancouver, BC, V6B4G3. And when you write, don't forget to ask about how you can get a copy of this broadcast. Just mention today's date in your card or letter. The address once again is Odyssey, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80995. Adventures and Odyssey is a production to focus on the family. The Tangled Web was written and directed by Phil Lawler. Our production engineer was Bob Luttrell. And our executive producer, Chuck Bolte. And I'm Chris. Join us again next time for more Adventures in Odyssey. Here's another fun fact from the Odyssey's craft book. <laughs> We've received a number of letters from listeners who are curious about exactly what age range Adventures in Odyssey is intended for. Well, first and foremost, Adventures in Odyssey was created to bring entire families together for a time of entertainment and learning. But the main target age for Odyssey is kids between the ages of 8 to 12 years old. Of course, we know that we have younger listeners and hope that parents stay nearby to answer any questions they might have. Cassette tapes are handy, too, so the parents can preview the episodes in advance to make sure they're appropriate for younger ears. If you ever have any comments or suggestions about Adventures in Odyssey, don't hesitate to write to us. Our address is Odyssey, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80995, or in Canada, write to P.O. Box 9800, Vancouver, B.C., v 6 b 4G3.